From Washington, this is CQ on Congress, the nonpartisan source for in-depth analysis of Capitol Hill's policy debates. I am Sean Zeller. The Senate passed legislation to roll back rules it had imposed eight years ago in the Dodd-Frank financial regulatory law that was Congress's response to the 2008 financial crisis. Sixteen Democrats voted for the bill, marking a rare moment of bipartisanship. The bill, as amended, is passed. But convincing House Republicans, who want to go farther in repealing Dodd-Frank, isn't guaranteed. My guest today is CQ banking reporter Doug Sword to tell us about it. Welcome, Doug. Thanks, Sean. So, Doug, the Dodd-Frank bill, just to remind our listeners, aimed to ensure that banks weren't engaging in the sort of risky investing that caused the 2008 financial crisis and the Great Recession, the Deep Recession at that time. So what's in the Senate bill? The marquee provision in the Senate bill is probably that it's going to reduce the number of large banks that get an extra level of scrutiny from the Federal Reserve. Uh, Dodd-Frank had said every bank over $50 billion would get this extra Fed regulators on site and they would be watched very closely. This bill moves that up to $250 billion for most banks. There are some banks under 250 will still be regulated heavily, but not many. So the Fed was doing what sorts of things? Making sure they weren't making risky loans or making risky investments, doing things that might get them underwater? They were looking very closely at most all of their transactions. Uh, they were very involved and on-site. For one SIFI, that I know they had 11 regulators on-site. So 16 Democrats, along with Angus King, the independent from Maine, voted for this bill, which would eliminate some of Barack Obama's regulatory legacy. Now, contrast that with the Democratic vote in favor of repealing the 2010 health care law last year. There were no Democrats in favor of that. So that's a big difference. Why do Democrats support this? In very large measure, it was um, everyone is saying they're doing it for the community banks. Uh, the smaller banks uh, in their areas, you know, Senator Heidi Heitkamp in North Dakota is saying that, that, that the regulatory burden placed by Dodd-Frank has trickled down onto the smaller banks who lawyers are telling them to follow all these Dodd-Frank rules that were, that were never really intended to be placed on these smaller banks. This bill was not written by Wall Street bankers. It was not written by Wall Street lobbyists. If it were, it would be a completely different bill. This bill would actually provide relief to Wall Street banks and Wall Street bankers, and it does exactly the opposite. It gives relief to those institutions, whether they're regional banks or small community banks, that can be effective competition for the largest institutions in this country. So that is the, the, the reason that most people give. There's also an awful lot of other tweaks they've, they've taken to Dodd-Frank, which was an 800-page bill. And this is a 200-page bill, so they're changing an awful lot of smaller things, too. Do you think the upcoming election had anything to do with it? Were the 16 Democrats who voted for the bill from in tough districts or tough states? Uh, certainly. I mean, Heidkamp would qualify in that area. So would John Tester, who's uh, uh, another one of the, the leading Democrats who spoke most passionately Monta about He's this from bill. Montana. He's from Montana. Right. And uh, uh, he spoke very passionately on the floor in support of this bill as well. Right. So he and he and Heidkamp from North Dakota are up for re-election, facing, yes. facing difficult re-election yes. this year. Um, nonetheless, it split the Democratic Party. 30 Democrats voted against 
going forward with this bill. Elizabeth Warren, the Massachusetts Democrat who was a major proponent of the Dodd-Frank law, criticized her colleagues. I've come to the floor of the Senate five times over the past week to talk about how the Bank Lobbyist Act puts American families in danger of getting punched in the gut in another financial crisis. I've talked about how it rolls back important consumer protections and how, if it passes, 25 of the 40 largest banks in this country, banks that suck down collectively almost $50 billion of bailout money during the crisis, nobody went to jail, could be regulated like tiny little community banks. I also talked about how the bill will roll back the rules on the very biggest banks in this country. And just as an aside, it was pointed out during this debate that uh, Heidi Heitkamp basically in open argument with Elizabeth Warren, but it cost her absolutely nothing in North Dakota to, to be arguing with a Massachusetts senator. Right. In fact, she said, like, I don't think the North Dakotans give a hoot about what Elizabeth yes. Warren has to say. Yes. Um, uh, Elizabeth Warren's case was uh, – the, the broad case is that by rolling back Dodd-Frank, we are rolling back the – the safety, the financial stability uh, that we gained with the Dodd-Frank regulations and that we are putting the economy at greater risk for another financial crisis. And CBO actually scored the the, the risk as, as a positive that uh, uh, this this one bailout fund may, may have to uh, – the cost would be up $671 million, their estimate, over 10 years in bailouts because of this bill. So the government – could have to step in and save some banks if they make some risky investments and go under. They could. It would be a politically difficult thing to do, of course. Okay. So Mike Crapo, he's the Idaho Republican who chairs the Senate Banking Committee, and he deserves some credit here, I think. How do you craft this bill and get Democrats to vote for it? Uh, Crapo likes to talk about how he started working on this in 2010, shortly after Dodd-Frank was signed. He thought it went too far. Uh, and he's been working with Tester, Heidkamp, uh, some of the other the, – the, the, there were in total five Democrats on Senate banking that, that co-sponsored this bill. He's been working with them for a number of years, uh, and this was uh, one of their first chances to, to do this. I mean, the, the, technically, the way he did it was uh, very early last year. He and Sherrod Brown, who came out in opposition the to Ohio the Ohio Democrat, the Ohio Democrat ranking member, uh, they were were working together, and they were taking uh, solicitations from anybody who had an idea on you know how to reform regulation in the financial sector, and they got like a hundred suggestions. And Brown was on board until last, I think it was September. And since then, uh, he's been in opposition. But nonetheless, it's a striking contrast from the way the Republicans pursued the repeal of the Obamacare, the 2010 health care law, which was put together by the congressional leadership, the Republican leadership, and brought to a vote very quickly. You're saying Crapo worked for years to build support for his legislation. Yeah, not only that, uh, he made it very clear during the process that any additions to the bill would have to pass muster from his co-sponsors. And that includes a total of 12 Democratic plus Angus King co-sponsors who, who all believe they have a say in the final bill, which is setting up a bit of a problem as it goes over to the House. Right. Okay. So let's turn to the House. The House last year passed a more far-reaching bill that would have repealed a lot more of the Dodd-Frank law. How do the bills differ? Well, first of all, in their reception, uh, uh, House Financial Services Chairman Jeb Henseling's bill, H.R. 10, uh, passed uh, the House last summer with not a single Democratic vote and actually had one Republican vote against it. 
uh, Mike Crapo's bill this week passed the Senate uh, with, as you said, the, the help of 16 Democrats. And Hanseling's bill, uh, when it arrived on the Senate side, was pretty much dead on arrival, has not been taken up. Even Hanseling says, you know, as we head in negotiations, he is not negotiating H.R. 10. He is negotiating what H.R. 10 has sort of become. His really hyperactive committee passed 90 bills this uh, session, and he says about 30 of them are bipartisan that haven't gotten into Crapo's bill, and he would like to see them added. So it sounds like Henserling, who's a Texas Republican, is willing to negotiate here, that he might take the Senate bill or... Uh, he is willing to negotiate. He is. Uh, he publicly stated uh, the day after the Senate bill passed that uh, he had talked to Speaker Paul Ryan, and the Speaker had uh, told him that uh, uh, when the Senate bill comes over the House, it will stay on Ryan's desk until the Senate agrees to sit down with the House and negotiate additions to the bill. Okay, so have they been specific about what they want added to it? Oh, there's a list of 29 bills. Uh, half of them are... are passed unanimously out of committee. Uh, the number of them passed 424 to zero on the House floor. Half of them passed with a majority Democrat opposition. Uh, right. So Senate Democrats who voted for Crapo's bill, they're watching this closely. If anything gets added that they object to, it could threaten the bill when it comes back to the Senate, right? Very much so. Uh, Heidi Heitkamp has said the understanding with uh, uh, Mike Crapo is all for one and one for all, that uh, uh, if anybody objects to an addition, uh, the addition does not get made. Uh, John Tester, when he uh, reacting to Henseling suggestions that he was going to be adding a lot to the bill, uh, uh, termed the additions he was looking at as, quote, crazy shit, unquote, and said the additions would kill the bill. Okay. And one of the things out there is the, is the future of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. This was a part of the Dodd-Frank law, a new agency that's supposed to protect consumers and financial transactions. Henserling wants to uh, make it less powerful, um, wants to bring it more under the thumb of the president to eliminate some of its independence. Might he try to add something along those lines to the bill? From people I talked to, including some uh, stock analysts who follow this, the killer provision that Henseling wants to add to this would take uh, the CFPB's jurisdiction over banks. They, they currently have jurisdiction over banks over $10 billion and raise that to over $50 billion. Uh, there's literally nothing in the Crapo bill having to do with CFPB, and there's a reason for that. Uh, uh, Senate Democrats would have gone along with that. Right. I mean, this that was Elizabeth Warren's baby. She would fight very tooth much. and nail to keep it. Yes, very much so. Um, what about Donald Trump? Has he weighed in on the debate? The administration applauded H.R. 10 when it passed last summer, the, the Henseling bill. The far-reaching not, measure, was yeah. not picked up in the Senate and uh, applauded uh, this bill uh, when uh, the Senate bill, as it passed. And uh, uh, the president has said he wants to make changes to Dodd-Frank. Dodd but um, how much those changes will be, we'll see. Right, but he's willing to accept whatever it sounds like and to crow about the victory come Election Day. I would think so. Okay, Doug. So let's say uh, a law is enacted that's pretty close to what the Senate just passed. Mm -hmm. Who are the winners and losers coming out of that? 
Well, the, the first obvious group would be the banks between fifty billion and two hundred fifty billion. There have uh, there's been one bank that's been parked at forty nine billion for four years now, not wanting to add any assets because they didn't want to trigger Dodd Frank level scrutiny. Give us a bank. sense. I mean, are is that a lot of the banks that people do have their savings accounts and checkings accounts with? Well, interestingly, uh, uh, some of the some of the winners are uh, in Ohio, shared brown states. Uh, one of the biggest opponents of this, uh, Fifth Third Bank in Cincinnati, Huntington, and other banks region. Uh, uh, SunTrust down in Florida. In all, I believe there's 31 banks between 50 and 250 billion. Gotcha. Okay. What about losers? Obvious loser from the, the standpoint of people who are arguing against this would be the general economy because we've had this poses an increased risk for everybody of something like 2008 and 2009 happening again. There's an awful lot of criticism of this bill uh, because it's it exempts smaller mortgage lenders from having to make additional uh, data disclosures about their mortgages. And uh, there were an awful lot of mortgage disclosures added two years ago by the CFPB uh, aimed at um, uh, detecting and curtailing discrimination in lending. And there's an awful lot of senators who really don't like that, uh, those disclosures being uh, diminished. If this bill passes, there will be entire communities where there won't be enough data to figure out whether borrowers are getting ripped off. Entire communities where it will be impossible to monitor whether people are getting cheated because of their race or gender. On the other side, there's still 23 data fields that they have to continue reporting. Okay, Doug, keep an eye on it for us, will you? Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Sean. I'm Sean Zeller. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. And please rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow or at RollCall.